Fortnite in Film is a podcast where every week you get the chance to listen in on a group of film lovers chatting about the great, or not so great, movies that we've been watching over the past fortnight. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Fortnite in Film. I'm your host, Jason. And I'm your co-host, George. Thanks for tuning in. We seem to, every time you and I have gotten together recently, it seems to be like a themed <laughs> yeah, episode yeah, yeah, of sorts. You know, like we had our, we had our James Dean episode, uh, we had our sort of mini Paul Thomas Anderson episode, then we had our like films that you really love, but you're scared to pick because you don't know what your person's going to think. Now we've got a, uh, a horror themed episode. Yeah, um, Spooktober. Yeah. Spooktober because you're doing the Spooktober I challenge am. on Letterboxd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is, I guess, basically where you just watch a lot of horror films. Yeah. I've, been, wa- I've been watching like three, averaging like three a day. So I'm surprised. I like, know. I'm surprised I haven't had more nightmares. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe that just shows I'm like, I, I don't know, like I'm psychotic because I just sleep with a baby <laughs> after watching three horror films a day. But yeah. <laughs> I know, but I've seen you've been like whacking up three, four films a day. Like I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, like, I know, I know. I've been, <laughs> I've been on it. I've been on it. I may need a break soon, maybe. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, maybe a few weeks once October's ended. Exactly. Just like take yeah, two yeah. weeks off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're doing an all an all horror episode. We haven't really discussed uh, a lot of horror films on the podcast before. I guess pure horror films. Like we've done, I guess you know some psychological horrors and. Um, and I guess even the picks this episode are not, I I would say only my pick is probably pure horror in a sense. I'd say yours and Christian's are a bit different. Yeah, we didn't really discuss a lot of horror films, but I guess we don't, as as individuals, we, like no, none of the three of us watch a lot of horror films, I would say. No, well, actually, well, Christian, I think, well, Christian more than us, because he likes some of the, like, the more weird stuff. Which yeah, tends and to some of the older, the you know, sort of 80s, 90s horrors. Yeah. yeah. But again, I was saying earlier to you, um, I'm not like a sort of horror fanatic. Um, so at uni, yeah, I used to just watch the like trashy ones to laugh at with my friends. But now I'm making like an effort to watch more like critically acclaimed horrors, I suppose. Like the Universal Monster Classics, uh, some of the more classic 80s ones. So yeah, yeah. Not just a crappy Netflix one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never been a big fan of horror i mean some of it's you know I, I think if it's done well it's good i think a lot of you know tendency maybe not so much recently because I've, I've heard you know it sort of started to turn but certainly i think 2000s 2010s there was a lot of tendency to lean in towards like jump scares and it was just like whoa things popping up on screen it's like that doesn't really take a lot of effort um so i sort of avoided them because i just felt like there was cheap scares yeah, for me, I prefer more like the sort of psychological horror, or yes, like, or even the more outlandish like '80s body horror stuff. Um, I like it when it does things a bit different. Yeah, not just the sort of jump scare, jump scare, jump scare type. Which thing. is like, because of so, course it's going to scare you, but it's like it doesn't take any yeah, any thinking say, yeah. or originality. Yeah, yeah exactly. like it's like yeah. the equivalent of someone, you know, hiding behind something and jumping out at you. It's like, yeah, you scared me, but a child could have done that like <laughs> there's no like last there's no lasting effect like it doesn't make you think it doesn't make you think about it yeah we, we, we want to be traumatized yeah. we want to be, exactly. be terrified yeah, and... <laughs> yeah you want to be thinking about it through the night and having nightmares about that's yes. what, that's what you need <laughs> from a horror so yeah heads up the films we're about to discuss may contain spoilers for a list of the movies we cover this week check out the description Let's kick it off with his first film, which uh, could very well give some people nightmares. So this is my pick. Uh, this is The Strangers uh, from 2008, um, directed by Brian Bertino in actually his first ever film, which I think was a pretty good first film to <laughs> to make. He's done a few other films since, pretty much just horror films he tends to stick to. Um, I haven't actually seen any of his other films, but I would like to see the sequel to this uh, because I very much enjoyed uh, watching it. So this was a rewatch for me. Um, I'd seen it many years ago and I held it up there 
based off memory quite highly. I had it like as a four stars based off memory because it just, like what we just said, it stuck with me all these years ago, even even to now, it stuck with me. And I always remembered, God, that was a really like effective horror and really scary. And, and you know, 2008, so I mean, if I, I certainly didn't see it in cinemas, but if I'd seen it sort of around the time it came out, I would have been, you know, 14, 15, 16. Um, and, you know, I think when you're a teenager, you know, things like horror seem scary to you anyway. So the plot is uh, there's a couple, uh, James and Christian, uh, played by uh, Scott Speedman and Liv Tyler, respectively. James has asked Christian to marry him at uh, actually a wedding they were at, not their wedding, obviously, a friend's wedding. He asked her to marry him at the end of that, and she said no. Um, so they get home and things are obviously awkward between them. Uh, and they get a knock on their door at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, and it's this person asking, is Tamara there? And actually, yeah, just a quick aside on this. I don't know where you watch it. I don't know if that even matters. But the, the Wikipedia, and I imagine other stuff, says, is Tamara there? But when I watch it, like the subtitle said Tamara, but the person said Tamara. Did you get that as well? I didn't pick up on that. I mean, I was watching on YouTube um, and the volume was super low. I had to turn it up all the way high. <laughs> um, but th- there were no subtitles either, so I didn't actually catch that. I'm not sure. No, yeah, it's not a big thing, but it's just I, I know it is supposed to be his, like his Tamari, but then when they spoke, it was like his Tamari. Maybe it's like an American thing of how they pronounce it. I don't know. Anyway, so they say no, there's no person here by that name. James goes out to buy some cigarettes and Christian, you know, there's another knock at the door when Christian's home alone. It basically escalates to, you know, James gets gets back and, you know, they, they figure out all these different things, you know, have been happening, like, um, you know, the smoke alarm that, that she disconnected and she put on, like, the floor. Uh, it ends up, like, on a chair and so she's like, someone's been in the house. Um, her phone goes missing, you know, they, she, she opens the blinds and she sees a masked man standing there uh, and there's all these noises, you know, they're knocking on the doors and they're knocking on the windows and, and it turns out that there's three of these intruders, all in masks, um, who basically terrorise them over the course of, I guess it's technically the morning at that point, if it's sort of, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning. In the midst of this, James' friend comes to... Uh, pick him up because he he said oh you know he called him and he said look you know i proposed and it didn't work out and you know can you come and pick me up and so he, he goes there not knowing any of this is happening james mistakes him for one of the intruders and ends up killing him uh, which is basically you know ends their last hope of being rescued the intruders knock them out they tie them up when and i'll come back to this line when i talk about what I love about this film, but, you know, Liv Tyler's character says to them, you know, why are you doing this to us? And they just say, because you are home. So they take their masks off and they stab them both repeatedly. And the film ends with uh, a couple of boys um, who are going around handing out, like, Christian leaflets or something. Uh, and they come across the bodies in the house. And as they find Christian's body... It turns out uh, she's not actually dead. She's still alive and she grabs his hand and she screams in the film ends. I actually bumped it up upon rewatch to four and a half stars. It is, in, it's in my opinion, pretty much a near perfect horror. What did you think? Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna be very you're gonna be very um disappointed here, I suppose, because um, I gave it one star. Wow, I am disappointed, so, but I'm curious to find out why so you gave it one star. I I really. I, I didn't, okay, I would say hate is obviously a strong word, which would be more like half-star territory. I didn't hate it. Um, I just, I guess, disliked it, yeah. disliked <laughs> it, and I didn't have a good experience Interesting. Um, watching it as a as a horror film. Um, so, yeah, do, do you want... Yeah, you, I'm, I'm, you yeah want I'm, I'm keen to hear your your thoughts because that's caught me off guard so okay. i'm keen to i'm keen to get the yeah, opposite yeah, yeah. side from someone for me who loves it to hear yeah. the opposite side of why you did yeah that. so okay where do i start was it was it the worst horror film i've like ever seen probably no that honor belongs to probably something off like netflix when it's you know a sort of trashy one but there were a lot of things holding it 
back for me, um, which was mostly the predictability, um, the pace, which I found was very quite poor. I thought it was very poorly like paced. Like slow, do you mean? Slow, yeah, like just slow. Okay, um, interesting. I thought there was a total lack of sort of good characterization um, with the sort of central couple and therefore pretty much a lack of like tension and suspense. The technical aspects were good. Like it wasn't like a masterwork, but it was shot um, well. So the problem wasn't the like the actual making of the film and the technical aspects. It was more the script for me. But yeah, I mean, I can go through. So, so with with the acting, I thought Liv Tyler, Liv Tyler was good. Like you know, she wasn't amazing, but she held her own. Um, Scott Speedman, who was the is that his name? I think yeah, He's the lead guy. Yeah. I thought he was pretty bad. Like he wasn't convincing at all for me. I thought he was quite wooden, um, one dimensional. So I didn't really appreciate his performance. Um, but Liv Tyler was, you know, she was fine. Yeah, I guess the main thing for me was like the character development and the setup because at the start I found it kind of odd because like um, the whole setup was that the whole emotional setup was that she was he had asked her to marry him right and she said no and that was this whole depressing thing but they were acting like someone died like it wasn't I don't know it didn't really work for me like they were acting like it was the end of the world it didn't really convince me to care for the characters like so what like that situation happens a lot of the time you know there's no sort of major emotional thing that's happened to make me really care and there was no sort of establishing like a true sense of place or a true like emotional connection for me to these characters um so when the actual film was happening I just didn't care about whether they lived or died, really. Like, I thought they were boring, underdeveloped. Um, and I felt sort of no tension in the plot, really. There were some well-constructed sequences, um, but they were kind of few and far between. When they were happening, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really care for the characters. So I was sort of out of the film, basically. Um, and I guess the film was trying to be realistic, saying, oh, you know, this can happen to anyone, this sort of thing can happen to anyone. But I needed more, like, backstory. I needed something to connect to, something to care about, apart from she just doesn't want to marry him. You know, I don't know anything else about these characters. No motives, no desires. Um, they don't have any kids to get back to, or, like, sick parents, um, or, or anything else that would make me really care. I guess the other thing was, yeah, like, the pacing and the plot. Like, I thought the pacing was pretty awful. Like, it was only an hour 15, but the, f the first 20 minutes were quite tense. But then after that, it was pretty much just Liv Tyler looking out windows and saying, where are they? What's happening? And then, like, a mask pops up, getting spooked, rinse and repeat sort of thing. <laughs> um, so I thought it was really samey. Um, and it just felt tedious. And the payoff didn't really feel worth it to me. Like there, there were some good moments, like when when his friend, um, who's actually Dennis from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, who I who I love, but when he turned up and when he was shot by um, Scott Stevens' character, that that was that was you know good, but um yeah those moments were really rare for me. Um, you know, like a masked face sticking up at a window or someone standing behind someone with the occasional jump scare that didn't affect me wasn't scary to me. Um, and the logics, these characters, I'm sorry, they are dumb. They are make dumb decisions. <laughs> and there were things like, oh, the phone is gone. The phone's out of battery. Okay, we're going to split up. We're going to go to the car and leave you in the house. Why? Just stick together. You know, come up with another plan. Um, so if, if you preach, if the whole message of the film is this could happen to you, this could happen to anyone, don't make it like any other generic horror and don't make the characters idiots. Because then why should I care and why do why should I start to think, what if this happens to me? Like the intruders were magically teleporting everywhere. They just randomly turned up in the house. They could get in the house somehow. They're just everywhere. And I was like, this is just so unbelievable. It became like a sort of, I don't know, like a lazy and I don't know, I've gone with shallow thing that I've seen before. And yeah, so I, I'm going, I'm, I am, I'm sort of going in on it. But yeah, and that, like the ending, I found the ending like hilariously sorry hilariously bad with like 
when when she like scream when the boys find her and she screams. I was like, this is so stupid. Like, just why a better ending would have been leaving them dead in the house, and that's it. Just leave. That's the the point of the film was that that they, they were chosen, I guess, by these people. Um, why have her scream? It's just a shock square with no effect. Um, and I was I laughed. I was like, what? I, I will admit there were two shots that I loved, which was at the start when Liv Tyler is, um, she's like in the foreground and then the masked person is like in the background, it's silent. That is a, that is a great shot. So I appreciated that. And the sort of, I guess it's a signature poster shot kind of thing where um, at the end, the three people are like standing in, in, a, in like a line in front of the couple in the chair. I thought that was a good shot. But yeah, overall, yeah, I just thought it was kind of a cheap, just shock scare thing. Um, poor script, dumb characters, and I didn't really care for it. But it was technically well made. So yeah, that's my consensus. I I, I, I feel you're shocked because I, I think you thought I would have liked it. But yeah. And oh, oh wait, what, one final thing. that I thought the voiceover at the start saying that 1.1 million violent crimes happened per year, it was meant to scare you. But what I think they failed to realise is that that 1.1 million crimes are not of the nature of that of the thing that the film is portraying. Like it doesn't mean that your home is going to be broken into by three people. Like, it was meant to scare you, but I just thought, well, okay, but that doesn't. That's really rare, and it's rare that it gets to a point of a couple being killed in their home. I know it's based on a real case, which actually sounds much more interesting than the film. So that's my consensus <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, i i guess i am surprised by your rating partly i guess more so the rating in terms of i know you don't rate stuff low and obviously you and christian are a lot more generous than i um as i i have no problem you know dishing out half stars left right and center i, I don't know if i expected you to like it because i guess you know said none of us are really horror aficionados uh but yeah i guess i'm surprised in a sense only because i guess i disagree with a lot of I, I do agree with some of what you said, but I guess I disagree with a lot of it as well. So yeah, technically, I mean, I, I agree. I think, you know, the camera the camera angles and the lighting and the music, both in terms of like the score and then all the songs they'd playing, you know, in a record player, um, I thought they were just really effective at like ratcheting up the tension. Um, I think those shots you mentioned, that, that fantastic shot, you know, Liv Tyler's in the foreground and you slowly see this person in the background of a, in a mask. That was just, like, so unnerving. And I, I think just seeing them constantly in the background, because, you know, that was what was interesting is it wasn't, like, yes, it had jump scares, but it wasn't, like, in your face as such. It was more like you'd see them in the background. You never saw anyone's face. The sort of horror they used, I, I guess to compare it to some other just coincidentally horror films I watched recently, like The Conjuring trilogy, right, which was really good. I think I don't think, I think the third film was a letdown but i think the first two are really good but that was you know more like you know demons and and ghosts popping up on screen and blah blah blah. and not not that i think that was like a cheap part i said i think they're really good films but this was more more subtle in that it was just like people knocking at your door repeatedly and making noises around your house and they're lurking in the shadows and to me like that's so much scarier because you're thinking like well why, why don't we just come out right if they're here to do something to us why don't they come in why don't they show themselves why don't they and so you start thinking well, what do they want like you know so it's that sort of even scare in themselves like they don't mean to speak and they don't speak really i mean they have so few lines in the film that the intruders yeah, I, I agree that the the idea is scary. I just didn't find like the execution of it for me that scary because I was just thinking kind of how implausible it kind of was that they were just able to sort of get in the house and do all this stuff and make their way all around the house. And like the, the masks for me were scary sort of in the first shot, but then it just seemed like they were trying to make them scary through the whole way through. Um, and it's just they just sort of lost their effect for me personally but yeah i think the idea of it is scary yeah like i watched because i have it on dvd and i watched um but if you like bonus features it wasn't long but you know quite an extensive thing with a whole bunch of different people in the film uh not so much actors more like the director and different technical people talking about the film and how they made it 
And one of her, I think it was a production assistant, said it's more of a terror film than a horror film. And I'm like, I would agree with that so much because it's not horror so much as like it's terror. Like what they go through is like terrifying. It doesn't need to be, you know, ghosts or demons or creatures. It's just, it's people. Yeah, but I think I'd find it more terrifying if I sort of uh, gave a shit about the couple for me. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so I, I guess, you I, know, on that point, I agree with you that I don't think the acting was very good. Liv Tyler reminded me of, I can't remember her name, but, you know, the, the female lead out of a Shining. I know who you mean. I can't remember her name, though. I very much think that film is the success of that film because I hold that up very highly. Um, I mean, it's Kubrick, of course I do. Um, it reminded me of her where I feel like she spends a lot of that film just like this helpless, scared, screaming character. And it, it just it's just annoying. And like that's sort of what I felt with, with Tyler's character. She's just like running around scared and screaming. And it's like, it's, this isn't very good acting. Um, and similarly with Scott Speedman, I didn't think he was the best. Um, you can't really comment on the intruders because they didn't wear in masks all the time. They didn't speak, so you know. It's, you know um, but but in a sense, you know, even though the acting was bad, in my opinion, I still feel like the movie like effectively delivered on its premise, which was the scare. Like the acting was sort of secondary to that. It was more to me about like the atmosphere. Yeah, I can agree with that as well. As in, yeah, it should be more important in a horror, I think, in in general. Because, yeah, I, I think, you know, the characters said weren't anything special. I think it was probably down to poor writing. So I, I, I'll agree with you there. I actually, I thought it was actually really well-paced. Um, like you said, it was only 85 minutes, so it was quick. It was, under, you know, I love anything under 90 minutes. And I, I think it sort of proved, it didn't prove it to me because I already knew this, but I think it, it prove that you can you don't need like two plus hours to make a good horror but it felt like two but it felt like two plus hours to me See, yeah that's <laughs> interesting yeah I, I i i thought it moved super quick um because I, I thought even you know within the first sort of 15 20 minutes it got into the action it didn't drag it out it was like 15 20 minutes there's the on the door and it starts you know and 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 you know let let the reign of terror begin you know I think for me, it was just like the cycle of things which sort of were very samey, just happening again and again. Um, that like they would try to escape, or they would try to do this and that, um, and the masked people would then hide and make me jump. And I was like, I don't know, it just felt like I needed something. I needed something different, something sort of more exciting to happen. I wasn't that infused by the sort of uh, nature of the structure, I suppose. Well, it's interesting. Uh, you said about the backstory because you know I'm someone who always you know one of my problems with films is always like I want more backstory yeah. on the characters and yeah. I actually don't think it needed that in a sense like it didn't waste time obviously getting into the character's backstory all we knew was that he proposed to her earlier that night and she said no uh, we didn't find out anything else about them you know like you said we didn't find out how long we've been together we didn't find out like you know what sort of people they were what you know what did it a job what their values were we didn't find any of that but i actually feel like it wasn't and i'm sort of you know contradicting myself on, on talking about a lot of other films yeah, so here we, but we, i we could have switched we could have switched yeah it's like now. i i don't actually feel we needed any backstory because i think the point of a film which i guess you didn't really like was i loved was the fact of these were ordinary people. It didn't matter who they were. It, 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 you know, to me, their backstory was irrelevant because the whole point of the film was these are random, ordinary people and the point of exactly what you said, this could happen to anybody. So in, in, in my mind, we didn't need a whole thing of who are these characters and, and like why have they been picked? It didn't matter what picked. There was no reason they were picked. They were picked because they were just two random people and the, the intruders picked that house. And they just happen to be the unlucky ones who are living in that house. I understand the message and what the filmmakers were trying to do. But like I said before, um, because it was so implausible for me and I thought the characters were so dumb, I just didn't think that message sort of came across that well. And I I, I do, I need some sort of connect. I need to think, okay, these characters, why, why do they need to escape? Why do they need to get out of this situation? Do they again? As I said, do they have children they need to get to? Do the, does Liv Tyler have a sick mother she used to care for? No, it was literally just so they could fix their marriage potentially. So there was no reason for me to like 
care about so about them or them escaping. So while I understand the message, it just didn't really resonate with with me. Yeah, I guess I mean I didn't even. It's interesting you say that because I never thought of it in that terms of like why do we need to escape? I just thought we need to escape because they've got three you know fucking psycho killers in their house. You know. <laughs> yeah, I know, but but the, the the sort of decisions they were they were making, I was thinking you could. And also, there were no there were no neighbors about nothing. Um, there was just there was no I don't know. It just because it was so ridiculous to me. I I just didn't really think about the message of all oh, this could like if it was a plausible scenario. Um, and you know, I, I'm trying to think. There's a there's a film called um Funny Games, which I think Christian yeah, watched. Yeah, Christian just actually watched. Um, and I've seen I've seen half of it, and I need to finish the other half. Um. But that seem that is a much better of what I've seen a home invasion film because they're similar. What I remember, there were like family members introduced. They have they have children. There's a bit of backstory. It's seen. I from what when I was watching it, I was more invested in the characters than I was in this film. So I cared about, and I think it's a similar sort of message in that. I think there are more like, but I think in that one in Funny Games there are more like um sort of social economic messages they're trying to portray this was just straight up this can happen to any single person and i i guess on the point of you know you said there were no neighbors around one of the things i i read about you know what some people interpreted the film as as being about was about this you know sort of shadowing this veneer of safety that you know rural places have or you know the pastoral and oh it's safe in you know safer in the city it's full of crime and it's safer in the country things will never happen to you out there and i think what was interesting about this film is like you said it was an isolated house there were no neighbors um so it wasn't like a thing of you know that someone could come and help them or something um and i think one of the points of the film was you know the fact of it's just as likely to happen out in the country as it is in the city you know and actually it's worse in the country because at least in the city if you're an apartment building and three people come to your house and kill you, um, you know, presumably your neighbours will hear you screaming for help. I mean, that's not to say they'll do anything, but at least they'll hear you. But was was here. It's like I said, no one, no one, you know, someone came and helped him, a friend, because he called him before. But um, if he hadn't called him, no one would have come, you know. So I, I think it was an interesting theme in that sense. So I'd agree with you in the ending. The ending is probably the reason I took half a star off and it wasn't five stars, because I was going to give it five stars. I mean, and then the ending happened. I loved it. And when the ending happened, I'm like, that's just so stupid. Yeah, I mean, the fact that she would survive after all that, after yeah, being like stabbed however many times. Yeah, I agree. I yeah, I'm I'm with you. They should have just yeah. left him dead, had a dark ending. Yeah. Obviously it was a dark ending anyway, but I have think, a I, even I darker ending and just leave him dead. Yeah. But, I thought a Christian, like Christian would hate that ending because yeah. a darker <laughs> one would have just been to like have a shot of them like bleeding out or like yes. dead in the chairs, you know. That 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 would have been a and I actually thought, although I disliked the film, I thought the ending was actually pretty effective when they were both getting stabbed. Even though, you know, I was like, I was kind of indifferent to them getting stabbed. <laughs> I thought the way it was done, I thought it was an effective ending. Like, if I'm looking at it technically, you know. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing of having the boys find them was, again, sort of irrelevant. Uh, like you said, I'm a child would prefer them to have them just die. Similarly, you know, with the rejected proposal thing, it didn't really add anything to the the plot, in my opinion. Like, they, 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 they could have, like, never gotten... They could have never proposed, or they could have been married. Neither of those situations, nor the fact that she rejected his proposal, would have actually added to anything. I think, I think the intention was to provoke a sort of emotional pity in the audience to think, okay, they're having marital troubles. Can they get out of this alive? So that they can, res- I don't know, because there's no other reason for them to, um, to sort of create that, um, sort of dynamic. I guess I don't know, but I didn't buy it personally. Uh, finally, I just want to talk about, and I'll just sort of rant here. Um, don't feel like you have to respond. Um, I'll just uh talk about why I think for me this film is so effective, and it's 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 stuck with me. Said how many years ago I watched it, and it still. I said it, I hold it up there as one of, and I've not saying I've seen a whole ton of horror films, but I hold it up there as 
one of the best i'd say it's in my top five of horrors like to me it is that good that said the line that's always stuck with me and i know i've referenced this line i couldn't tell you what episode it was but i know i've referenced it in the podcast before that line of why are you doing this because you own you know that to me i know this this may uh some people may find this um uh hyper hyperbolic or you know um whatever but to me that is one of the scariest lines in any movie uh because it's just it, you know it's that's why to me that's why it's so terrifying and it sticks with you because it's like that's what this whole film is about you know to me people like you know it always said these horror films and ghosts and devils and creatures and uh, that didn't scare me you know people are the scariest because they'll just break into your house and kill you because they feel like it you know and like you said it's rare it doesn't happen often but it can happen i think that's why it's scary because the possibility is there you know statistically speaking the idea of somebody breaking into your house uh and killing you for the fun of it is not likely to happen you know most crimes whether it's assault or robbery or rape whatever it is they are committed by people who are known to the victim in some way their family their friends their colleagues or acquaintances whatever it's you know it's you know the idea that a stranger is going to you know randomly rape or kill you is probability wise not going to happen of course a lot of people think it is because that's all the news talks about but statistically it's not going to happen you know it and and you know obviously you know random man attacked or random woman sexually assaulted you know random family murdered in home um makes a much more interesting headline and story than you know second cousin assaults uncle or you know, ex-employee breaks into and trashes old workplace or, um, you know, friend kills other friend over unpaid debt, you know, because that's, you know, in those cases you can say, oh, well, there's a reason, there's a motive, you know, we did this because of that, you know. Whereas in cases like this, people randomly getting killed because they were home is, is horrifying in a captivating way to people. I, I read some quotes from um, Brian Bertino, who was the director. One thing he said was, um, it was inspired by true events from his childhood. So he said, as a kid, I lived in a house on the street in the middle of nowhere. Uh, one night while my parents were out, somebody knocked on the front door and my little sister answered it. At the door were some people asking for somebody who didn't live there. Uh, we later found out these people were knocking on doors in the area and if no one was home, breaking into the houses. Um, and when he went to say another interview, um, I was thinking about the Tate murders which is the Manson family, for those who don't know, um, and realising that these detailed descriptions had painted a story of what it was like in the house with the victims. But none of the victims knew about the Manson family or why it was happening to them. So I got really fascinated with telling the victim's tale and not filling it in with an FBI profile and not filling it in with finding out that somebody's grandmother beat them and now they want to kill everybody. You read obituaries every day where someone is killed for a random reason. Yes, we may eventually find out why, but sometimes we don't. Like for me, that's that's just so fascinating because again, we we even today uh, in the office, someone said, "Oh, does anyone watch that? You know, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, miniseries on Netflix." And someone said, "Oh, yeah, I have." And and this guy said, "Oh, you know, I I blame the I blame his parents and blah blah blah." You know, and and that's the thing, right? You have serial killers or home invaders or whoever. And we want to be able to point to something and say, oh, well, it's, you know, because their parents beat them or because they were, you know, sexually abused as a child or because this or that or the other. And it's like, yeah, sometimes that's the case. And sometimes you just have a psychopath who likes to kill people. And sometimes you have three psychopaths who break into people's homes and kill people, you know. Yeah, for me, I've said we do, I think we just had different experiences in the terms of I felt like it was just very believable. And I was like, this could happen to me. You know, it probably isn't going to happen statistically, but it could. So, yeah, to me, I love it. I think it's one of the most effective horrors I've ever watched. I said I hold it up there very highly. No, fair enough. I've said I've said my I've said my thoughts on it. Um, you know, I yeah, we we had different different experiences because I just thought it was totally unbelievable. Um, so it didn't it didn't convince me that that specific situation could happen to me. Um, yes, I could get stabbed. I could come as someone could come in and hold me hostage but it would be in a more i think realistic scenario than um what happened in the film yeah i mean i i did you know i didn't think i was gonna dislike it you know i i like horrors but i wasn't you know i wasn't going in going uh 
But I, um, yeah, again, di- different experiences. So it happens. Yeah, it happens. Shall we move on to your pick? So my pick is um, Near Dark, which is a, a vampire film directed by Catherine Bigelow from 1987. Um, and I came across it basically... Uh, the Criterion channel are doing like an 80s horror collection um, and it was like quite prominently put in there um, and it's uh, many people it's sort of got like a cult status many people seem to seem to love it and appreciate it but it's kind of underseen now um, so Criterion have put it out there which is good okay so uh, so one night there's um, a young man called Caleb who's in a small town um, and he meets a sort of young, attractive drifter named May. They sort of get chatting and drive off together. And uh, just before sunrise, she bites him on the neck and runs off. The rising sun causes Caleb's flesh to smoke and burn. So you, you, know, you start to think, okay, this is something something dodgy. But May arrives and picks him up with a group of uh, roaming vampires in an RV and takes him away. Um, the most psychotic of these vampires, called Severin, played by Bill Paxton, um, wants to kill Caleb, but May reveals that she's basically already turned him, so she doesn't want him killed. Um, and their leader, Jesse, uh, agrees to allow Caleb to remain with them for a week, see if he can learn to hunt and gain the group's trust. Caleb is unwilling to kill to feed, which alienates him from the others, so um, to protect him, May kills for him and then has him drink from her wrist. Just for context, there's another vampire called Diamondback, who's like Jesse's girlfriend, and there's one called Homer, who's like a young boy, uh, who but who's like an old man now because he's like he was obviously turned when he was a young boy. Uh, the group enters a bar and they kill all the occupants, but um, Caleb still can't kill. So all except May wants to kill Caleb because he let this guy escape. Um, but after Caleb endangers himself to help them escape their motel room during a police raid, Jesse and the others sort of, they're sort of grateful to him and they sort of let him live. Um, meanwhile, Caleb's family, so his father and sister, have been searching for Jesse, for um, Caleb and Jesse's group. Um, and a child vampire, who's Homer, uh, meets Caleb's sister, Sarah, and wants to turn her into his companion. But Caleb objects, um, and while the group argues, Caleb's father arrives and holds him at gunpoint, demanding that Sarah be released. Um, Jesse taunts him into shooting him, then regurgitates the bullet before wrestling the gun away. Um, and in the confusion, Sarah opens the door, letting in the sunlight, um, and uh, Caleb escapes with his family. Um, Caleb suggests this is. I thought this was a bit silly, but you know, it's fine. Uh, they try giving him a blood transfusion, which works, and it reverses his transformation. Um, and that night, the vampires search for Caleb and Sarah. May comes back to the house and distracts Caleb by trying to persuade him to return to her while the others kidnap his sister. Caleb discovers the kidnapping and sort of gives chase. Um, and he's, he's confronted by Severin, who's the psychotic one played by Bill Paxton. Um, Caleb sort of steals a tractor trailer and uh, runs Severin over. There's a sort of fight ensues, and eventually um, Caleb jackknifes the vehicle and jumps out as the truck explodes, which kills Severin. Uh, seeking revenge, Jesse and Diamondback pursue him, but are forced to escape in their car as the sun starts to come up. Oh, yeah, and, and they've kidnapped Sarah, so they've still got his sister at this point. Um, so attempting to save Sarah, May breaks out the back of the car with her, um, and Caleb runs over to them. May's flesh starts to smoke, but she's saved because Caleb sort of smothers them both under a towel. Um, Homer tries to follow, but he dies from exposure to the sun, so he's blown up. And then Jesse and Diamondback also burn in the car because their sunproofing thing sort of falls down. Then the uh, the ending is basically they deliver, they give May the blood transfusion, so she turns back to a normal human. She's cured. Um... And then they sort of hug and the film ends. So, yeah, so I know, I know that you, I was sort of expecting this, so I'm not surprised. Um, so you gave it half a star. I did. Um, so I was, yeah, I, I, I knew as soon as I picked it, I was like, it's a vampire film. Um, it's going to be a bit silly. Half star. So do, so maybe, shall I, shall I explain why I liked it? Or do you want to, you know, 
maybe you you said you had like three three lines or whatever. Yeah, so it's, you, it's, you, I don't you, I don't really have a lot to explain why I didn't like it. Okay, well just you just go. Look, I felt the act is sort of some sort of strange in a sense. I thought the acting and the writing uh, were both just incredibly poor. I felt like Caleb, I mean, who who played him? What was his name? Adrian Pazdar, whoever he is. I just felt like he was, like, he showed no emotion to anything, I felt. And it was like all these crazy things were happening. And, like, you know, like he was, you know, he was kidnapped by these vampires and his sister was abducted and all this stuff. And it was just like he didn't, like, he he just didn't react like how I felt a person would react. He just, it was like, do you not think in the even in the even in the motel scene he was pretty emotive there when his family were being sort of held up he wanted to save yeah you know even there I didn't feel like it was anything like I said understated isn't the right word but it was just like he never reached like the level of emotion I would expect of someone in those situations um, which again maybe it was the acting maybe it was the writing I don't know what it was but. I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you in that his. I think he was the weakest um, of the cast, and I thought his acting. I, I've put a note here. His acting was was wooden, um, but I personally wouldn't go as far to say he showed no emotion to the events that were happening. I wasn't really a fan of anyone in the cast. I mean, I know um, a lot of the reviews I read. You know, talked about Bill Paxton and oh, you know, Bill Paxton was, you know, I like the negative views I read, like, oh, Bill Paxton was the only good thing in this film. I didn't even think he was all that good personally. I, said, I just, I wasn't impressed by any of the acting. The story itself, like, obviously, I, I guess, you know, I, I guess I'll steal some of your criticism of The Strangers. I didn't feel like it was very original or inventive. It's like, okay, guy gets bit by vampires and he hangs out, not hangs out, you know what I mean? Like, he, he he's with them for a period of time and when he escapes, it's like, wow, fascinating. You know, like, it, it, the story just didn't grip me at all. I mean, that's a very simple, um, it's a very, very but, simple. But I mean, but I mean outside of the fact of he got bitten by these vampires. Because there's more, there's more to it. There's more, like, central conflicts that he's going through along with May as well. It's not, that's very boiling down. But I mean, what else is there apart so, from okay, this weird sort of pseudo romance between him and May? What else is there? Well, it's sort of the cent- well, the central conflict is pretty much um, whether whether he would sort of give in and become a vampire um, with May, um, or whether he was sort of returned to his family. Um, and and also more interesting for me was the internal conflict of um, him killing. So like. He has to kill in order to he has to kill in order to survive, but because he's just a normal bloke, he doesn't have the sort of capacity to kill to murder innocent people. That's highlighted in a, quite a few scenes. Um, so he has to drink May's blood instead. That's killing May. So he also doesn't want to do that. So he has to sort of face that. He has to sort of face his demons and eventually kill someone. Um, or he's going to kill May. So I thought that conflict was was quite sort of prevalent and it's you know it's taxing on may because she's having to drain her blood to let him you know drink hers it's all about sort of identity and him having to sort of carve out this new identity in the group in order to fit in before the end because he runs away with his family he chooses to go back to his um family so i yeah i think i think it's a lot more complex than that maybe you just didn't find those aspects interesting yeah, I just, yeah, it just, for me, the story just didn't grip me at all. I was just bored throughout. And I guess to continue with, again, I feel like everything I'm saying about this film, you said about The Strangers. So I guess uh, uh, another thing I'd say is um, we weren't given any backstory in my mind. Uh, but like the film started, I don't know if you found this as well, it, it seemed to start very abruptly. Like, you know, it just had him and then he drove to that gas station or whatever and he said hello to a couple of his friends and then he meets May and then it's like, film begins. But it just, to me, it just felt very, like, abrupt and out of place. I'm like... I mean, for me, it was just a normal opening scene of a film. <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I didn't think it was abrupt, really. I mean, him, meet, him meeting May um, is the catalyst for the story to start. Um, so I'm not sure what else. It would have been filler if they had him just, I don't know, driving around, going into a bar, seeing his friends for a long time. It didn't need that. The, 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 the catalyst... 
was him meeting May so he could be turned into a vampire. That's yeah, the, that's I guess to me, it just it seemed to. You know, I said I felt like we were given no backstory about either him or the vampires, um, which sort of like what you said about strangers. I, I thus I wasn't invested in any of the characters. So I'm like I don't know anything about you. All I know is that these vampires have been around for hundred or fifty years or something. He's some random kid who has a father and a younger sister and that's that's as much as we're given and so i wasn't uh, because i didn't really know anything about anybody or even may you know who is this may why is she you know like okay yeah she's a vampire but she's also sort of protective over him and like what's her you know what's her place in the group like i, I just felt like we weren't given any backstory and so i wasn't really invested in anybody as a result i suppose i'll steal your i suppose i'll steal <laughs> your point for the strangers and <laughs> that i don't think that the backstory huge backstory wasn't all that relevant for the story um because you know the the whole thing is about caleb and may like we don't need to know may's history being a vampire or the group's history being a vampire because it's it's in the current moment you know it doesn't really i don't know like yes i would like like, maybe a prequel series that would be pretty fun exploring the group but you can't cover you know hundreds of years of their history and like maybe now i'm thinking about it maybe i would have liked it more had it taken the point of view of the vampires from the beginning and and sort of shown them and like and and obviously Caleb could have been a part of that because it you know you can show them going out to to hunt him and then you know get him and bring him bring him into you know their their fold and have him travel with them etc maybe if it took the the point of view of the vampires and sort of their society and like what you know how they hunt and how they survive etc maybe that would have been more interesting to me I, I feel like my reaction to this film was basically the exact same as yours to the strangers where it just it just didn't it just didn't do it for me at all for some reason. So Okay. Well sh- shall I say what else I sort of like? Yes. Well, I, I give it four stars. So I didn't sort of absolutely love it, but you know, I did I did enjoy it a lot. Um I I think it's just a great I think it's one of the more like sort of innovative i know you didn't think it was inventive at all but i did um of the 80s because it kind of fuses together like western horror and vampire genres like all into one so i thought it was super fresh um based it well i think i read that um catherine bigelow she was she wanted to just make a western she was dating at the time james cameron director of you know aliens and panic and, 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 and he suggested to make it a bit different why don't you fuse it with with like a horror sort of genre so she's so she thought i'd do vampires sort of bleak artsy gritty um i i love how the word vampire isn't uttered once like there are no references to any like classic vampire things like garlic silver bullets state to the heart afraid of the cross like there was nothing like that so i i appreciated that sort of like realistic and gritty take on vampires the, the like you're moving away from like the dracula type you know cape castle turning into bats type thing you know, they're like low-rent, grungy vampires, not, you know, high-end high ones. So I, I I, really liked that. I thought she fused sort of like the Western landscapes with like the music and the vistas. Really, like, I thought it was a good Western as well, not just a good vampire film. Um, like, it was shot really well. Um, and like, a good example of the, like, Western and vampire fusion is the, um, the motel shootout scene with the police. Um because, you know, you you had the fact that I thought it was a tense scene anyway, but when you add in the fact that the bullet holes are making sunlight, so they they have to dodge the, the sort of um, sunlight, I thought that was sort of added like an extra sort of a dimension to it, and it sort of upped the stakes. Somewhat reminiscent of From Dust Till Dawn, in that sense, where they're shooting and the bullet and the light comes in and... Yeah, I mean, From Dust to Dawn is a lot sillier than, than Oh, yeah, this. but I'd say Even this takes itself silly in their own ways. quite um, seriously. I think From Dust to Dawn knows what it is and and uh, has fun with it, even though I don't think it was fun at all. But, you know, whereas I think this is presenting itself as a serious vampire film. Uh, I love the soundtrack, which is by a band called um, Tangerine. Um, so I thought that was great, sort of fit the tone of the film really well. Like, it's... It sounded like romantic, sort of weird, quite quite beautiful. So I so I like that a lot. Um, the action was pretty punchy and visceral. The the bar scene is pretty iconic. I lo- I love the bar scene because it sort of 
shows how actually dangerous the vampires are. Like these poor people in the bar, and they're fucked because there are these groups of vampires. And um, Bill Paxton, I know you said you didn't like him, but I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was hilarious. I know he he didn't really veer too much into camp. Like I thought he was pretty scary in his own right. Um, Lance Henriksen was good as um Jesse as the sort of the leader. I thought he was quite mysterious um and quite menacing in his own way yeah i agree more backstory would have been nice i guess but it didn't really bother me that much um and actually he Jeanette goldstein who played diamondback lance henriksen and bill paxton they're all from aliens because um james cameron suggested that bigelow take a look at the cast so she chose all three of them for the film and yeah i just thought it was a super inventive entertaining vampire flick i guess um i don't i i don't watch many vampire films but you know they're fun when i do and this is a you know it it's got a quite big cult following if you go on youtube and type in near dark there are quite a lot of like horror channel that like reviews it and seem to be fans of it so it's got it's got a it's got a sort of good cult following we differ once again <laughs> i know yeah well, yeah a common a common occurrence <laughs> no um, remember it isn't that yeah. common remember it just it just seems oh yeah common. <laughs> true it seems common yeah 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 okay no i think i think um i was saying to you before i think i should just avoid action films in the future because uh this isn't I, even I, a pure action film so I'm, I'm so no 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 i know i'm gonna i'm so sick of action films in their over-the-top silliness and so similarly i think maybe i should avoid vampire films uh based only on the two we've we've talked about for this podcast so <laughs> i actually i actually watched a, i watched another vampire film last night called um the living dead girl which is um a french one um so that i don't know i i don't know what you would give that probably probably <laughs> half star Wars. so i don't know <laughs> it was more like atmospheric than like action so maybe i don't know shall we move on to our final film uh which is uh, christian's pick uh, this is color out of space 2019 directed by uh, richard stanley again i wasn't familiar with this name um i, I knew Catherine bigelow obviously i'd seen point break by her and she did one of my favorite films uh, ever which is which is the hurt locker uh, which i absolutely love so yeah she's done a lot of different stuff um, Richard Stanley um, has not done a lot of stuff I've heard of. He did a couple of like cult horrors in the 90s, and I know he was fired from making uh, The Island of Dr. Moreau, um, and he was replaced by, I can't remember. Uh, John Frankenheimer. Oh, yeah, that's it. So that, so yeah, he's, I think, but I think this was his first feature film in 20 years. Yeah, yeah, actually more, 25 years. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so it's based on a, a short story uh, from H.P. Lovecraft uh, by the same name, The Color Out of Space. So I'll try and give a short uh, and coherent plot synopsis because it's very confusing. You know, Christian likes his weird films. So there's a family, the father who's played by Nicolas Cage, the mother who is played by Jolie Richardson, uh, called Teresa. And then they have a teenage daughter called Lavinia, a teenage son called Benny, and a young son called Jack. Uh, so they're living in this farm. It's not specified when, but obviously you can see it's it's modern, um, like, you know, current day sort of thing. One night, a, a meteor, a bright sort of, you know, pink meteor, uh, lands... On their property uh, a whole bunch of strange <laughs> events and occurrences start to happen there's a hydrologist um, who's looking at the area anyway um, surveying it for a dam he sort of gets involved as well and he's he's sort of testing the water and he you know he finds that like the water's contaminated um, and there's a, a a guy i guess it's quite an extensive property so there's some old guy lives in some shack he's like a squatter and he says you know there's there's these people you know living under the house and he shows them this recording you know the wife ends up cutting off she's sort of in this trance i guess and she cuts off like two of her fingers sort of the son the older son sort of like 
loses time as such. Like he goes out and it's like morning and he's like, oh, it's suddenly like nighttime. The youngest son starts to like talk to someone who lives in the well. Uh, well, not lives, you know, he talks to someone who he thinks, you know, lives in a well who's communicating. Uh, all this stuff starts to happen, you know, and the daughter, you know, mutilates herself because she's trying to do this ritual because she's like a wannabe witch or something. It's the older son, Benny, and uh, the younger son, Jack, uh, go to the stables where they have all these alpacas and they find them all deformed and uh, corrupted by this, you know, this thing called the colour, uh, which has, you know, come from this meteor. The mother comes out, colour ends up sort of fusing her and Jack, the youngest boy, together. Horrible mass creature monster thing. So Nathan sort of takes them up to the attic and the, the hydrologist and like the sheriff and stuff come by because there are all these other mutated animals found. So well, actually Nathan ends up shooting the mother-son hybrid monster thing. Benny has, has disappeared because he's gone inside the well claiming that he heard the dog, but actually the colour ends up taking him. The film ends with uh, a hydrologist, he's called Ward, he goes to see Ezra and Ezra's not there but there's this recording that he leaves, you know, about the colour and the sheriff gets killed on the way by a tree, a mutated living tree. So Ward goes back to the the farmhouse and it's, you know, the colour's sort of taken over everyone and everything. He sees this vision of, you know, the colour and where it comes from. It's like, you know, other planet. And then, you know, space and time begin to unravel. You know, all this stuff starts to happen and the reality starts to distort and and he sort of ends up as, like, the only survivor from this cataclysmic event. The film sort of ends with him, you know, voicing over and saying that, you know, he's standing on top of a dam that's finished and he says, you know, only a few people remember what happened and even though there's a dam there now, I'm never going to drink the water because I know what happened. And then it all ends. I don't have a rating for it yet because I only finished it watching it about 10 minutes before we started recording and as I mentioned it's a very strange film and a very weird film so I feel like I need to look up some analysis around it and try and get my head around what I watch before I can actually rate it. Um, so I might defer to you first um, to share your thoughts. <laughs> I mean I don't really have that many notes either. I, I, I gave it two stars. That's probably, um, I'm probably leaning so, towards two stars as well. I didn't think it was a bad film. Like, it wasn't a, like, like it was well made. Um, but, like, I didn't think it was great. Like, I thought the first hour and a half, I thought was super dull. Then it sort of picks up towards the ending because more stuff starts to happen. Yeah, so it just, it just didn't fully work for me, which is weird because I do normally like these types of, like, uh, creature features and sort of strange stuff. Not as much as Christian, but... I do like them. I, I read some of the, well, on, um, I looked up some of the actual novel that it was based on, The Colour of Space, and it seemed more interesting than the film. I think they changed some aspects of it. Yes, I 100% agree. I, 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 I went and read the synopsis of, uh, of the short story, Yeah. and I was like, this sounds so fascinating. And I, and, I, and I was thinking as I was reading the synopsis of that, I thought, if I was reading this story, I would probably be hooked. But I think, like you said, the the film, and I, I read, I said, I haven't looked up any analysis, but I saw, because I watched it on YouTube, and I saw a comment that said something like, oh, they changed this so much from this, or, you know, so it maybe it was that as well. Yeah, I don't know the details, yeah, but I think I read that they, I think they made uh, the film more like, more focused on the family than the story does, which I didn't like, because I thought all of the family were super annoying. Um, Nick Cage was being Nick Cage which is now some crazy dude that just does random shit, which I don't really like. <laughs> um, the, I found the mum, the whole angle with the mum having cancer, or, or no, she had an operation before and was sort of on the mend. I didn't really think it worked emotionally. I didn't really, I know it's an awful thing, but I didn't really care. I don't know what it was. Yeah, no, um, I, yeah, I'm the The daughter, yeah. I found the daughter. What, why, why was the daughter into like witchcraft and stuff? And it doesn't, it, it didn't make sense to me really. Um, the children I found the teenage son was annoying. So was Jack, the small boy. So I didn't actually give a shit about the family, which yeah. made which <laughs> made the first hour and a half really dull. 
um because all this stuff was happening and i appreciated like the alien like the colors uh when the when the meteorite lands that was cool i didn't mind the surveyor i thought he was quite a good character i thought he was better than the family so that stuff with him was kind of interesting but i just wasn't really hooked with the plot when it picked up for me was when it started to get more of like the practical effects coming in with like the alpacas and with the mum and the monster type thing um because it reminded me of of um john carpenter's the thing um which looks like this took heavy inspiration from because there's similar sort of monsters and practical effects from there yeah and even even though i wasn't the biggest fan of that film i will say that is a much better film yeah yeah so it, it reminded me of that things were being introduced to the plot which would just kind of seem pointless to me like nothing really i don't know if i was just being dumb i don't think i was but nothing really made sense like the witch though yeah the daughter with the witchcraft thing and the alpacas and it was just it was just too random for my liking and you know that scene with nick cage like throwing the um was it tomatoes or something in the bin like like was that was that just was that him being affected by the alien like sort of psychological mind stuff happening i don't know i was just like what i don't know it just like and things seemed to move at a really slow pace there was no like urgency with the cgi as well i think that the sort of team who did it i think they tried to sort of overextend past the budget or something because the cgi was just super messy i thought towards the end it just looked kind of it looked kind of silly um i guess they were going for this big finish with the sort of alien and the house and stuff but it just looked a bit ridiculous to me so yeah, I it, it sounds like I dislike it more than I did, um, but yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it really. So yeah, I'm glad after um, stark disagreements on two of the films, we finally come yeah, together yeah, for the third yeah, one. Common cause. Um, yeah, look, I yeah. love what you said. I agree with. Um, I think if it had leaned more on, like you said, the color and the meteorite and the effects, I said when well, when I read the synopsis of the story, that's what the story was. It was talking about how this meteorite had fallen and all this weird shit started happening which okay yes the film showed that but like you said the focus more on the family and and the family like i said wasn't all that interesting i didn't think any of the acting was good i'm not a nicholas cage fan i just think he's i'm yet to see any film of his that i enjoy the wife uninspiring the children bad i mean look i i think technically you know the the colors and everything and you know the effects and all that was 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 good but uh, you know so like like technically yeah great but story-wise it's lacking even even with the colors though like it, the alien was pink it was pink but in the i think in the story it's apparently like loads of different colors so I wish they'd have stuck with the story more and done it like a sort of multi... Maybe they didn't have the budget or the time, I don't know. Maybe it's probably easier to render everything in pink, I guess. Um, but I I, don't, I wish they'd more leaned into like the sort of multicolored aspect. Because if you look at the front cover of the book, it's like green and red and pink and blue and all this sorts of stuff. And it looked more, way more interesting than just pink. I've not read any H.B. Lovecraft. I want to because I know how highly his work is held up there. And 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 even if you don't know of H.P. Lovecraft, like, you know of H.P. Lovecraft because his work has just infiltrated so many different, like, you know, so many different films and books and video games and all this sort of stuff. So I really want to read a lot of his work. And I will say, perhaps ignorantly, speaking of someone who hasn't read any of his work, from what I know of his work, I think um, his you know, short stories, books, whatever they are, they're very hard to adapt to a screen because a lot of it is you know, psychological horror or like sort of off-putting, uh, unsettling, like something's not quite right. Um, and that's a hard, hard sort of atmosphere thing to translate to screen. You can't, it's very hard to do. So maybe he's just one of those authors who people, I say they won't, of course, but, you know, filmmakers should just stick to leaving them as books um because i don't know how well they can actually be adapted to the screen especially because you know he was writing in in i mean he lived till he was 46 he died in 1937 he was writing i mean obviously films were around then but it, it, it wasn't like now you know tv and you know endless films all the time so he, he wasn't writing in a time when film was a big thing really 
Yeah, and it was, it was difficult because like I, I um, I saw obviously all the things that were happening, all the psychological things that were happening, but like I felt a sort of like a disconnect to them. Like I didn't really care or find them creepy or like I guess The Shining is another example of like sort of like things which are off, which are happening, which sort of feel creepy, but. In this one, it just didn't feel scary or creepy at all to me. I was just like, okay, it's gonna bore. It's gonna boring. Exactly. That that's a really good point. That is exactly one of one of the great things for Shining does is it just has that atmosphere. atmosphere There's that underlying yeah. tension, and yeah. you can tell something's not right here. Something's off. Whereas, like I said, with this, it didn't feel that. It just like okay, yes, you could tell the weird stuff was happening. Yeah, like the atmosphere just wasn't creepy enough at all for. Right, but you could always be like, oh, well, it was because of the the colour. You know, whereas at least you something like The Shining, when I mean, you can't compare this to The Shining, The Shining is one of the best horror films ever, one of the best films ever. But, but yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying, with The, horror, with the Shining, it, it does it so well because you're like, what is it? Is it is it Jack? Is it Overlook Hotel? Is it a ghost? You know, yeah, so it, it's... I commend the film for its ambitiousness in a sense and for what it was trying to do. Yeah, I don't think it's 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 not like this sort of sounds like we hate it, but it's not a bad film. I think that wraps up episode thirty-six. Thanks everyone for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love it if you could give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we'll see you next week.